Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, Pastor Andrew called me yesterday, and he left me a voicemail at 8 something in the morning, and I heard this, Richard, it's Andrew, call me back. I thought I was being pumped. But I wasn't, so I am uh, I am grateful uh, to be here this morning. I'm grateful that God uh, was lining this up from the very beginning to uh, for me to, to do this. So everything works to His glory. Amen. All right. So today we're going to take a little uh, look at perspective of clarity of mind. Okay. So when I was growing up, I loved to collect baseball cards let me not fib I still love to collect trading cards it's one of my favorite things to do with my boys they're all into it and um, <clears throat> I love baseball cards in general because that was my sport I loved baseball my favorite kind of trading card was a lenticular trading card now if you don't know what a lenticular, lenticular trading card is I got a few of them right here Told you we collect baseball cards. <laughs> it's where you can, a card that you hold it one way and you see one thing, and then you turn it a slightly different direction and it reveals something else. Gives you two different perspectives, okay? That was my favorite kind of baseball card growing up. Let me give you a for instance as why. Take this one right here. This says, do you remember Fenway Park is Buddy here today? No, he's not. Good. He won't hurt me after service. Do you remember Fenway Park, October 2nd, 1978? I'm getting old. And it says greatest moments in baseball history when you turn it the other way. Well, on the back, it gives you all kinds of information and trivia type things. I love information about baseball. I am a stat nut when it comes to baseball. Um... Baseball is a game of numbers, and I love it. So that was one of my favorite ones to look at when I was going through this because it told the story of a former New York Yankees player named Bucky Dent. Anybody familiar with Bucky Dent? Well, in the 161st game of the season on October 2nd, 1978, Bucky Dent hit a home run over the Green Monster in Fenway Park to clinch the AL East title for the Yankees. That may not sound too impressive to you because big league players home runs all the time. You probably like whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> and that's okay. Let me give you a different perspective. That season, Bucky Dent was hitting for an average of 234, which is not very great for a professional baseball player. In the 160 games prior to that, he had four home runs. In the 161st game, he hit his fifth home run, which clinched a title. Now we look at Bucky's performance a little bit differently. We don't see him as a Major League Baseball player who hits home runs all the time. We see him as a Major League Baseball player who hit a home run at a key time <clears throat> for his team. And unfortunately, the Yankees won the uh, series. Um, I say that tongue-in-cheek because I'm not a Yankees fan. However, my daughter is, so it's good that... Uh, I'm up here and she's back there. But this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about the apostle who I call personally, jokingly, the lenticular apostle, and that's Peter. Because Peter's personality and his demeanor 
give us an opportunity through his words to see kind of a different perspective of things. Uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory on Peter. Peter uh, <clears throat> is one of my favorite because he was just jumped in head first, literally jumped in the water and swam to the shoreline when all the rest of the disciples were rowing the boat when they saw Jesus after Jesus had resurrected. That was Peter. He was very, he was very direct in his approach. Also, another instance was another boat instance. Um, the disciples were out, and Jesus was uh, casually taking a stroll along the water in all of his infinite power, and the disciples, most of them, man, they freaked out. Now, y'all, I'm not going to use proper English, okay? I talk the way I talk. I'm from Plant City. So if I offend you by not being more articulate, I promise I'll take better lessons next time. But um, they kind of freaked out. I'm used to a, a grace group setting, so if I ask you guys to respond, just shout out the answer. What did they think that they were seeing? A ghost. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there. Paraphrasing, of course. That's not how it's written directly. I'm paraphrasing. Okay? And he did. And Peter was successful until Peter's perspective changed. He took his eyes off God because the winds and everything started to pick up and he started to sink. So Peter gives us a lot of different things that we can look at. The one thing we're going to look at today is the perspective of how we can remove worry from our mind and start living our best life for the Lord. Now, most of you know me as the worship pastor here, but I'm going to tell you that my passion goes much beyond that. And my passion is to help people who struggle mentally because I was those people. I am those people. And um, we're going to look at how Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5 about how we can have clarity of mind and live our best life for the Lord. This is just Peter's perspective through the writing that God inspired him to give us. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. And I'm not as eloquent as Pastor Andrew, and I apologize for that again, but I'll give you what God gave me, and he'll do with it what he will, what he wants. So verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We're going to take a little bit of a pause right there. Humble is an action word here. It means to lower oneself below, down. Um, looking at the scripture, it says, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humbling ourselves is a very hard thing. I speak from experience. Um, a lot of times when uh, things come my way that are not so great, stresses, anxieties, things of that nature, problems, I get out this mentality that I just got to power through this. Just got to push on. I can do this. And the truth is, I can't. None of us can. When God tells us to do something, Someone mentioned to me this morning in the early service, when God tells us to do something, He doesn't ask us if we can do it. He already knows we can't. 
But He knows if we rely on Him, then through Him and with Him we can. So humbling ourselves and not taking all that brunt of that load of every care that we have is the first step. The second step goes into verse 7, and it says this, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. I'm going to read it again. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. So point number two is to cast. I love that description because Peter was a fisherman and that's probably a word he used in his vocabulary a lot, was cast. It's kind of a crude word. It's not delicate. It's not frilly. It doesn't mean that you put it in a little box, put a bow on it, and offer it up to God or write it down in a letter. It means you literally get that thing that's, that's your cares and you throw it right at God. Brother John gave my boys some bait casting reels, and I'm anxious to see how they cast them. <laughs> it's not very well right now. <laughs> but it, it, makes, it makes sense that he would use this type of terminology to cast, to get it as far away from you as you possibly can. Because that's where the fish are, right? If you're a fisherman. Okay? So casting ourselves is another action word. Do we see where we're going here? We've got to take action. It's, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it, okay? So um, during our Living Grace class last week, some of you guys have heard some of this before. Um, God gave this to me last week, so now I know why. But uh, he doesn't tell us, like I said, to wrap up our worries and just take them to ourselves or present them up to him. He, he wants us to throw it on to him. And all the while, while we're throwing our cares and our anxieties and our stress and our depression and our problems and our this and our that onto Him, what does the rest of the verse say? He's caring for us. So not only does He want our cares, but then He's expressing care. You want to know the difference between the true living God and all those other false gods that people worship throughout the world? It's that my God cares. I don't have to summon my God to be there for me. He told me He would be there for me always, even to the end of the earth. I don't have to buy time with the true living God with world's treasures and earthly treasures. I don't have to do that. I can call on God anytime, day or night. That is what makes Him the true, loving, and living God. He cares for us. Even when we're throwing all of our stuff onto Him, He cares for us. That brings us to point number three, and we're going to cruise right along here, I guess. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, same there, verses 8 and 9, says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same sufferings. Peter uses a lot of words here that should pique our senses. It gives off this sense of urgency to me when I read it. <clears throat> be alert. My daughter Emma has a cat named Fern. 
anytime someone comes in the door, rings the doorbell or knocks on the door or pulls in the driveway, doesn't matter where that cat's at, she's right there, boom, at the door, alert, ready to go. She's not going to do anything. She's afraid of her own shadow. But <clears throat> she's got the alert thing down pat. You know, pay attention. Peter's kind of telling us here we need to pay attention. We need to be alert. You never know who's going to come knocking on your life's door. Pay attention. He goes on to say, be sober-minded. A lot of people, when we hear the word sober, think in the alcohol sense. This is much, much, much more deep than that. This means to be clear, clear in your mind. How do you do that? Well, you go back to the first two things. We've got to humble ourselves and we cast our cares. Then we can be sober-minded. It's not a coincidence that these things are written in this order. Then it goes on to talk about how he describes the devil. He describes the devil as a lion. We've got a picture of a lion. Look at that thing. I like using visuals, if y'all can't tell. Uh, I'm not much to look at, so I give you other things that are maybe prettier or whatever. But I learned some facts about lions over the last few weeks. Let me give you some interesting facts about lions. Do you know that a lion's top speed that it can run is 50 miles an hour for a short burst? That's faster than the golf carts in the villages go. Most of them. That's fast for a 400-pound animal, folks, 50 miles an hour. Did you also know that a lion's roar can be heard on the plains up to five miles away? Finally, an animal that has a bigger mouth than me. And some of y'all are laughing too much at that. No. This is the one point that I thought was very interesting. Lions hunt during the storm. I'm going to say that again. Lions hunt during the storm. When we face things in our life and our world is turned upside down and the storm has beaten us to death and we're going through family issues, marital problems, financial issues, uh, work issues, all these different things. I mean, I could, we literally could go on for days. And we're going through all that stuff. <clears throat> Isn't that when the enemy comes knocking on our door, starts telling us, ah, don't worry about giving this to God? Let me tell you a lie I used to believe. God don't have time for you and your petty stuff. That's a lie I used to believe. That's a lie from the pit of hell, folks. The truth ain't in that. Because I know that I serve the God who cares. Because First Peter tells me so. When we get shook like that, and in those moments of the storm, I'm trying not to get in her way. I, I can't help but walk. I'm sorry. Well, when we get shook like that in the points of the storm, the devil, he's right there. The Bible, First Peter says he's waiting to devour. That's a very strong word. He wants to consume us. I wonder I wonder how many of us here today are in that kind of battle. 
where we know that we got to humble ourselves, we know we got to cast our cares, and we know we need to resist, but we just don't feel like that we can. You know, the word resist comes from two ancient Greek words that I can't pronounce, so I apologize, but it means to stand against. So that third thing we got to do is stand against the enemy. You're here today and you got that storm going through your life and you're a believer of God and you're like, I can't stand against the enemy. I don't have enough power, strength. I don't have the fortitude. I don't have the desire. I don't have the energy. I just can't do it. Let me tell you something that's good news for you. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you have Him living in your heart and you living your life for Him, then you have the authority and power of God to get you through anything that you need to resist. You are a blood-bought son or daughter of the true living God. And He, His power, can help you push against your back when you can't resist on your own. All you got to do is humble yourself, cast your cares, and resist. He's waiting to help you. It's all He wants to do. That lion stuff, that was good stuff when you're sitting at a dinner table at 11.30 at night on a Saturday finishing a sermon and your pastor has laryngitis. I was like, praise God! More facts, let's go. But no, I, uh, in seriousness, I can't wait for Andrew to get back up here because we need the walls of Jericho to fall down next week sometime. Uh, and they all who have been here will get that joke, but... In all seriousness, guys, seriousness, I uh, this morning, my heart is heavy for folks who don't know that they have the answer right at their fingertips, right on the edge of their tongue. Let's go to verse 10 and 11. This is the last part. Verse 10 says, And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is another action. It's the action of waiting. Wait. Literally is a word that means in most cases to do nothing but in this case it means to fully rely on God to finish his divine work and plan for your life it is hard to wait a lot of times me myself I have this thing come on to me and I'm like all right I'm casting my cares on God I'm humbling myself casting my cares and I'm resisting the urge to pick it up and you know what it didn't come as quickly as Domino's delivers a pizza, so I'm just going to take that thing, and God must be too busy. It's tough. It is tough. That's why you have to stay rooted and grounded in God's Word. You have to stay grounded in prayer constantly. Folks, when we, when we as staff, when we as people, when we as Christians and brothers and sisters talk about the need for prayer and God's Word, it is not some line to sell the Southern Baptist to you. It is not some line 
that our friends down at the Assembly of God use to sell Assembly of God to you. It is not some line <clears throat> that we say to sell our events to you. It is the truth. It is the only way. The only way that we can make it through this life is with Jesus. Talking with Him. Reading His Word. Communicating with Him. Listening to Him. Ooh, that's a hard one. Listening. God, I don't want to do that. That's too hard. That wasn't even in my notes, so thank you, Lord, for that. So why is it that we can't resist? Why is it that we can't wait on God to finish what He starts? Is it because we don't trust? Is it because our faith is <clears throat> been crushed by something? In my instance, my faith was crushed because of the subject of abandonment. I won't go into details, but I had a hard time believing that someone could see me as worthy and then not abandon me. Because I'd heard the talk a lot, but then the actions spoke differently. But God always followed up His Word with the, with the exact same action. Always. He said He'd be there for me. He never left me. He said He would go with me. He's still going. Right with me. So I want you to think about this morning. If you're having a hard time waiting, what is it that's making you feel that way? Is it because you don't have, is it because your trust has been broken? Is it because you don't have the faith that you feel like you need to have? Well, folks, the Bible talks about faith the size of a mustard seed. I don't know if you ever saw one of those before, but it's pretty small and minute. And it says that with that amount of faith that we can do great things through God. We can't do anything on our own, but through God. And if you're skeptical this morning of what I'm telling you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Believer, I'm talking to you right now, okay? If you're skeptical that God is not able to take your cares and that you're not able to resist him, the enemy's advances and that you're not able to wait, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Try it. Try it. Try it for 30 days. Try it for 60 days. Try it for 90 days. Try it for a year. Try it for the rest of your life. What do you have to lose? I'll tell you what you have to lose. The same thing I did when I tried it. I lost every worry that caused me severe anxiety, that crippled me, that would not allow me to get out of bed all day long. I lost every notion that I was unworthy to God. I gained perspective of how God looks at me and my mind. You have nothing to lose. Nothing. Here's the truth this morning. We cast our cares on the Lord. 
stand against the enemy and wait on the Lord to finish His perfect work, we can live our best life for God. It's not about how we live this life for ourselves. It's about how we live it for God. There was a song that I wrote many, many, many years ago where someone gave me the title to it and said, you ought to write a song called, with the title, It's All About Jesus. For many years, I signed my emails, anything I wrote, a letter, anything with that, because that's what I wanted people to know. It wasn't until much later that I realized the lyric of the song that I wrote, I wasn't even applying to my own life. It was all about Richard. It wasn't about Jesus. When you get the pecking order in line and you humble yourself before God and you put yourself under His, under His hand, just like the words say, things start to change. Things start being less about you and more about Jesus. You're here this morning and you have no clue of anything I was just talking about. This is for you. You may not understand what I'm talking about because you may not have a relationship with God as your Savior. <clears throat> the Bible says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not he might think about it. Not he'll put you on a waiting list. Not take a number at the deli counter type thing. But you will, right then, in that instance, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, <clears throat> you will be a blood-bought son or daughter of the one true living God. See, folks, the only way that you can humble yourself before God and cast your care on God and resist the enemy and wait on the Lord is to first know the Lord. You have to know Him first. Anybody who's been to my Living Grace class and <clears throat> Doug's class, they'll tell you that the first thing we talk about is what is the first step? What is the first step of overcoming and being able to manage mental health issues? The very first step is knowing Jesus as your personal Savior. Because without Him, you are facing an uphill battle. So if you have all these cares and you have all these anxieties and you've tried everything else, but you've never tried giving your heart to Jesus, I ask you the same question I asked my fellow believers a minute ago. What do you have to lose? Let me tell you, <clears throat> you lose out on eternity in hell. You lose out on ever battling by yourself. You lose out on ever being alone. You miss out on all those terrible things the moment that you become a child of God. A lot of people in the world, they think that Christians miss out on a lot of things. Well, I'm glad that I miss out. I'm going to ask you guys to do something for me. 
Dory has so graciously agreed to come and play the invitation song, so thank you, Dory, so much. But I'm going to ask you guys, you just bow your head this morning. I know this is different than what we usually do, but this is just kind of the direction that God told me to go. So I want to talk to two different groups of individuals here this morning. I want to talk to the believers, and I want to talk to those who haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, myself, Pastor Brandon, I saw Pastor Andrew sneak in the back back there, but he's not going to talk to you. We have my dear brother John Black, who's a Sunday school teacher here. He'd be happy to pray with you, our life group teacher. We have Deacon Lee Miller, who's a Sunday school teacher. We have CJ, who's one of our missions director. We have a lot of people here. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to come to Brandon. But go to someone and say, hey, tell me more about this man, Jesus. Again, I ask you, what do you have to lose? The answer far outweighs, the good far outweighs the bad. Believer, if you're here this morning and you're skeptical that you can cast all your anxieties and your cares on God and that He'll take them from you and not look down upon you, I ask you the same question. What do you have to lose? Try Him. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just try Him. This morning we're going to sing. I'm going to step down here front. If you want to come pray, I'm here. The altars are open. If you have cares and anxiety that you want to cast upon the Lord, now is the time. Today is your day to be free of that. If you are here and you don't know Jesus, today is your day to meet the dearest friend you will ever have. One who sticks closer than the brother. One who went all the way to the cross and died just for you and me. Let's stand together and sing.